Revival Culture. This is our series that we're, we're in at the moment, In Revival Culture. Uh, and we've we begun this series by looking at who God is. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Because this is what revival is all about. A fresh, powerful, and authentic revelation of God. And his purposes for the world that is transformative. Existing faith revived, new faith birthed, and the world around both transformed. That's what we're after. We've been reminded that God our Father, through the death and resurrection of his Son, gave those who believe in him the right to become children of God. No longer slaves, no longer victims, but adopted, chosen. Revival brings intimacy with God the Father. We've been reminded that God the Son, Jesus Christ, is the Holy One. There from the beginning, our provider, full of power, now seated at the Father's side, who one day will return to say, to say to each person, either, well done, good and faithful servant, or I never knew you, depart from me. We've been reminded that the Holy Spirit awakens and empowers us, both to reveal who God is to ourselves and to reveal God to those around us, to bring God's kingdom to earth. We are invited to be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, revival is a promise from God. It's not limited to a few. It's not just for Sundays. It's not just for a short time. It's not for other churches, for other towns, for other nations. It's for all who want it, who eagerly desire to see God break out, who are willing to have every area of their lives revived and transformed for him. And so it's from this place of recognizing who God is, of having our relationship with him revived, that we're going to look over the next few weeks at how we can live, at how we can live in a way that glorifies God and releases his purposes on earth. So we're going to look at areas like worship, at God's word, our witness, healing, signs and wonders. Revival's a lifestyle, and it should impact every area of our lives. It's the Holy Spirit who revives, empowers, and sustains us in these key areas of life. And we're going to start this week by looking at the Holy Spirit can empower and sustain us in prayer. So, before we go on, so I can catch my own breath, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer together. If you don't know it, the words are on the screen. If you know your version of it, then pray it out. But we're going to pray this prayer together. So, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Revival can't happen without prayer. We believe that we've heard about God, or heard from God, about revival. We've had a number of prophetic words that point to revival. But as we heard earlier in the series, what is prophesied doesn't mean it will happen. Prophecy is an invitation to us, for us, as God's people, to pray it into being. All revivals in the past have been on the back of prayer. 
sustained prayer. They've not just suddenly happened. Right, right back at the start of the church, after the, after the ascension of Jesus, 120 of his followers, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 1.14. They knew that Jesus had said he would send the Holy Spirit, so they devoted themselves to prayer. And several weeks later, the Holy Spirit came in power at Pentecost and transformed the 120. The church was born. It grew rapidly. Thousands were saved. Revival. I was going to go through some of the revivals, but I haven't got time. I was going to mention a few. The Welsh Revival. Evan Roberts. Started a prayer group that grew and grew. More than 100,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. Azusa Street Revival, Los Angeles, 1905. Proceeded by much prayer for, for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and led to William Seymour going to LA, who was instrumental in the revival and, the, and in the birth of the Pentecostal movement. The Hebridean Revival, 1949. When two ladies in their 80s, housebound, prayed for revival. They challenged church leaders to do the same, resulting in an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that transformed those islands. Colombian revival. Ricardo and Patricia Rodriguez, they led a church of 40 people 30 years ago. After trying various strategies for church growth, they felt the Holy Spirit say to them to go after him. So they did, praying for hours, day after day after day. Revival broke out and continues to this day with the Aviva Miento Church now 100,000 strong. It's clear that prayer is important. But you, you probably knew that. It doesn't always help us with doing it. I know that going to the gym is good for me. I don't go to the gym. So we're going to have, we're going to have, we're going to have a look at three areas of prayer. How, where, and when. This is not put your hands together and close your eyes. How. Jesus prayed to his Father often. So when Jesus suggests a model of prayer for us to, to use, it's worth taking note. So we're going to look at the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples, the prayer that we've just prayed. So if I want to turn to Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 to 13, it'll be on the screen as well. And Jesus instructed his disciples to pray then like this. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This, the Lord's Prayer, is a revival prayer. Your kingdom come, God break out on the earth, Forgive us our debts, our sins, our trespasses. It's a call to repentance, a call to purity. If you're not praying for revival, why not? The model Jesus gave us is a, a revival prayer model. The order of the prayer is important. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed, holy, holy is your name. Your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive. Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Too often, too often I reverse the order. I launch straight into my agenda. Lord, I'm struggling with this. I'm sorry for this. 
And then I might go on to ask her what I need today. Help me with this meeting. Help me with this, uh, this, this work thing I've got on. Help me with this preach today. And then I stop. There's little focus on God and how amazing he is. There's little focus on God's purposes. My, my focus on, I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to repent and be cleansed, which is hugely important for revival. It becomes my excuse not to pray for revival, not to pray your kingdom come. The excuse trotted out is, I must get myself ready before seriously praying for revival. I want to put to you, I want to put to you church, that as we pray for revival, our heart for revival grows. We get our focus on God and not us. We become less consumed of ourselves and more aware of how awesome God is and how far we fall short of the glory of God. We get a bit like the Isaiah moment, his, you know, his woe is me in the Old Testament. And on the back of that, we become more desperate to be, to be holy, to be, to be, to be cleansed, to, to be more like God, which leads to repentance and our becoming clean. I want to encourage you, pray revival prayers that contain your kingdom come and forgive our sins. Okay, where? Where do we pray? Can we turn to, turn to Ephesians? We've got, we've got three Balvarines this morning. We've, got, we've had Matthew. We're going to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. It's on the screen as well. Finally, this is Paul speaking to the, the church in Ephesus. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the, the flaming, all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Where are we to pray? On the battlefield. Paul's exhortation to pray is immediately after his instruction to put on the armour of God. When we pray, we're doing so in the midst of battle. And is it any wonder? We've just seen how Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's revival prayer. That's a battle prayer. In praying that prayer, we are engaging in battle with the kingdom of this earth, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That can sound a bit scary, to be fair. But we are covered. We are protected. We have the armour of God on us. We have the army of God around us. That's you guys, by the way. We have an army of angels surrounding us. So take courage. Take courage. Which, by the way, is one of our church cultures. 
when we lift Jesus high, when we exalt him, proclaim his name, when we bring God's kingdom into dark places, we take ground, we expand God's kingdom. As the song goes, step by step, we're moving forward. Little by little, we are taking ground. Every prayer, a powerful weapon. Strongholds come, tumbling down and down and down and down. I was going to get you guys to sing it, but I won't. But actually, there's so much truth in that. That's so, so true. Brian had a, had a, had a word with me in worship earlier around uh, feeling like we have a hand on our chest sometimes, stopping us from going forward. We feel like we can't take that step. We can't take that step. We feel pushed back almost. Only prayer can break that. Only prayer can disarm whatever it is that holds you back. Take those steps. Take those prayerful steps. Prayer is a powerful weapon. Strongholds do come down, will come down with prayer. The thing is, if we don't pray for revival, if we're not praying for God's kingdom to advance, if we're not engaging in the battle, we're not taking ground. It's why praying what God says will happen into being is vital and you all have a part to play. The early church was bold. In Acts chapter 4, if you want to turn to that now, if you want to flick to it quickly. Acts chapter 4, verses 29 to 31. So Peter and John had been brought before the high priest, before the rulers and the elders. Uh, and they were brought before them for healing a man and for preaching the gospel message. Those leaders threatened John and Peter. They told them to stop. When they returned to their friends, they prayed. And now, O Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed for the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place in which they, they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. The early church knew they were in a battle. Their immediate response was to pray. But look what they prayed for. They prayed for, for continued boldness. They didn't pray for the threats to stop. They didn't pray for protection from the threats even. Their primary concern is speaking God's word, is sharing the gospel boldly, that God would, do, would heal and do signs and wonders in Jesus' name. Their hunger and single-mindedness single for this saw them empowered by the Holy Spirit to do that. They came together as friends, as family, as church, and they prayed together, preparing to go into battle again. That's what church should be. That's the point of you coming here this morning. Jenny asked at the start, <laughs> why do we come to church on Sunday morning? You come for this. On the one hand, we are in a safe space where you can come before God and worship him, pray to him and get to know him better. On the other hand, this is not a safe space. It's the place where as a church, as a body of Christ, as family, we should be getting fired up charged up commissioned anointed to go outside these walls boldly 
filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to speak God's word and bring his kingdom power to wherever we go. Are you here for that? There are more opportunities on a Sunday morning to do this, by the way. Every two weeks, we do Pursuing God on a Sunday evening, uh, where it's, <laughs> believe it or not, we pursue God. Uh, and we go, we go after him for more. We go after his holiness. We go for purity. We go for revival of all perseverance. Please come along. It's next week, by the way. The prayer week we had recently, again, it was about giving over more time for you to pray and pray and pray. Place a high value on prayer. Place a high value on prayer. Back in Ephesians, Paul instructs us to be praying at all times in the Spirit. Praying at all times. That's a lot of prayer. Praying in the Spirit. We are not supposed to pray apart from the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us to pray. Romans 8, verse 26 says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We can't pray apart from the Spirit effectively, because, you see, it's possible to pray not in the Spirit. It's possible to pray not in line with God's will and purposes. It's possible to pray not on the battlefield. In fact, when I look at my prayer life, too few of my prayers are on the battlefield. Too many of them are at the vending machine of self-indulgence. They're at the party of self-pity or in the safety of the playground. Ultimately, my prayers are just too few. Praying at all times, that's a lot of prayer. Espiritu Santo, mi mayor amigo. Por siempre lo serás. Holy Spirit, my best friend, forever you will be. This is where the Holy Spirit is absolutely our best friend because he helps us. He is so eager to be the avenue, the conduit through whom we pray, through whom we have relationship with the Father. Prayer, after all, is the means by, by which we have relationship to the Father. The Spirit knows our deepest thoughts. He knows God inside out as well. He is God. And he hooks up with our spirits to reveal more of God to us. More of who the Father is, more of who the Son is. And that in turn gives energy and substance to our relationship with God. So when Paul says, pray at all times in the Spirit, he's encouraging a constancy of relationship with God to keep that communication pathway open to live with an awareness of his presence at all times. It's why Paul said to keep on being filled with the Spirit. It's why there's so much focus on the Spirit, because it's the Holy Spirit who breaks into people's lives, busting through strongholds, smashing indifference, and giving us a desire for more and more and more of God. It's the Holy Spirit who initiates and sustains revival. So welcome more and more of the Holy Spirit in your life. Welcome more and more the Holy Spirit in your life. Welcoming is also one of our church cultures. And it's not just about welcoming people, important as that is. More importantly, it's about welcoming the Holy Spirit. 
So keep on asking to be filled with the Spirit. I got to experience a, a taste, a taste of revival back in the summer. I got to see a bit of, a, of what it looks like. When, when I went to Bogota, I went to Colombia, uh, going to the Aviva Miento Church, which, has, as I said earlier, has just grown exponentially in 30 years. The influence of, of the church on the surrounding area and into South America is hugely significant. And for all the bright lights, for all the great technology and the impressive dances and songs and all the rest of it. For all of that, that wasn't the most important thing to them. They majored, and I mean majored, on hosting, on welcoming the Holy Spirit. They went after him, recognizing what Paul recognized, the importance of being filled and filled and filled again with the Spirit. The hunger for the Spirit was like I've never seen before. No one, no one cared what others thought. No, there's no fear of man, no, no fear of what others were thinking. The willingness to serve was also exceptional. And the result was people revived and empowered. It's hard not to encounter something of God's power and glory in that setting. And, and, and I did like I never had before. Uh, and, and, and suddenly in one of the meetings, I was, I was brought up short. I've shared this before briefly, but I had the slam question hit me. Why are you living alone? Why are you living alone? That really convicted me. I was, I was just undone there and then by the truth that I was living through most of my days my way, in my strength, being self-sufficient. You see, this is, this is the other part of the battlefield, praying prayers of repentance, recognizing where I've gone wrong, bringing it before God, asking for forgiveness and turning away. This is so important. Because without it, revival's dead in the water. Because we can get taken out of the battle by sin. So I want to say to you, pray for purity. Pray for holiness. Accept nothing less and be ruthless. Be ruthless of what the Holy Spirit convicts you with. Back in, back in Bogota, as I'm wrestling with this question, the next thing I'm aware of is that on stage they're holding up flags of nations, different flags at a time, and praying over them. And um, uh, they, had, they, they, they had the Union Jack up there. They're praying for the UK. <laughs> Brilliant. They're praying for the UK. It was really powerful, and it, it, it did a, God did a bit of break in my heart when he did that. Praying with revival over the UK. And it's only, it's only in the last week that I've realized something. So I had an encounter with God like no other I'd, I'd had before. And I, I kind of thought this was just for me. This was like, you know, God telling me to work some stuff out. But it wasn't for me to feel blessed or to feel impacted. It wasn't even just a kick of the backside for me to stop being self-sufficient. Married up with their praying for the nations, and particularly the UK. It was God saying this, the point of your encounter with me is for you to play your part in releasing my kingdom where you are. 
Stop living on your own. Welcome me into, into your every day, into every place to bring God's kingdom to earth, to release God's purposes, to release revival. It wasn't just to say to me, welcome more of me into your life. Yes, do that, but for the purpose of releasing his kingdom in my world. And it's the same for, it's the same for everyone. It's the same for all of you. Sorry, I'm going to drive that over there. Why not? There you go. Turning prayer into mission. The early church did this. You see, it's kind of why we're here today. Their, their fired up prayers where the Holy Spirit shook the room back in Acts didn't end up with them going home and nothing changing. They were pioneers for the gospel where they were. Wherever you are, you are called to be, you are commissioned to be pioneers for the gospel, to bring light into the darkness. And what do you know? Pioneering is also one of our church cultures. Sometimes prayer is just plain hard work. It can feel like nothing's happening a lot of the time. Like your prayers are bouncing back off the ceiling. Like you're in a dry and dusty valley that lacks life. This is, this is part of the battle. This is part of the battle. The dry times, the hard times, the time to disappointments. As with any battle, don't switch off. Stay alert, as Paul exhorts us to. Persevere. Guard against complacency, apathy, indifference, cynicism, disillusionment. Don't stand for it. Don't stand for it. Because if we don't pray, what happens? It means God's ways, his power is not released where you go. And all those you come across miss out. They miss out on the opportunity to encounter God, to encounter his love, his mercy, his grace, and the hope that he offers all. If those people who persevered in prayer before those famous revivals in history broke out, if they'd given up after a couple of prayer sessions because nothing happened, revival would not have broken out in those places. Nothing stops revival in its tracks as much as lack of prayer. We are called to prevailing prayer. If something's worth praying for, it's worth praying for over and over and over again. Prayer that even though it's hard and nothing seems to be happening, prayer that is persistent. You pray persistently, being confident in God's promises, confident in what he said, confident in God's victory through Jesus Christ. And confident in the knowledge that God's kingdom will come. But something is happening. Something is happening. Changes are being affected, lives are being impacted. And when the Holy Spirit starts to blow, we need to, take, we need to take notice. We need to get our sails up, align ourselves in the direction of the Holy Spirit, and go with it. If you know and understand the time you are living in and what you have received, your nation will explode into revival again. There is a time of God And this is a wonderful time for England. When live calls are lying there, they might seem quenched. And this is how England is. But when you blow, 
the flame starts glowing. And the Lord declares it's not been put out. He sees an ember of coal. He sees it. And the Lord says, blow, 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 and the flame will ignite again. That's the word. That's the, that's a, that's the prophetic over our nation, over our town, over our church. Our role is to pray into being. When? The time is now. The time is now. Some of you have entered the battle. Some of you are sitting on the sidelines, maybe seeing how things pan out, maybe not getting it, maybe, maybe not wanting it. What scares me, what scares me most is what if this is? What if this is the start of God moving in a big way? And I miss it because I'm too wrapped up in myself. I'm living on my own. And when Jesus comes in glory, as we heard last week, it's going to happen. And I'm there before him being asked why I didn't throw myself onto the battlefield. Why I didn't prepare myself for repentance. Why I didn't pray in the spirit, asking for revival to come. Why I didn't partner with God and bring this kingdom to where I was. And instead, I was, a, I, was a, I was a revival stopper rather than a revival starter. A revival cynic rather than a, a revival sustainer. That's not a chance I want to take. I don't want to take that chance. To those who have engaged in battle, keep going, keep going, keep preparing yourself in this church and this town and this country for an ever-increasing move of God. Keep praying for God's kingdom to come, for his purposes to be done, for lives to be transformed both inside the church and out. To those on the sidelines, not sure. Get in there, get in there. Whatever questions, concerns, and even doubts that you have, put them to one side. And step in. Every prayer for revival is blowing on the embers. Every prayer is fanning the flame. Every prayer is punching light in the darkness. Every prayer matters. Young or old. You've been a Christian for 70 years or 70 minutes. Maybe you responded earlier. It doesn't matter. The invitation is to be part of the army of God. Your weapon is prayer. Wield it. Use it. Pray revival prayer again and again and again and again. And when you stopped, do it again. Can I ask you to stand, please? Can I have the band up as well?
So I'm not, I'm not going to do an individual call. I'm doing a church call. Because you are the army of God. You are the army of God. And I want to invite you to, to join the battle. I want to invite you to step into the battle, get on the battlefield. And if you're up for that, I want you to, if you feel able to do it, I want you to come to the front. I want you to come to the front and be part of the battle. Come to the front and be part of the army. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to act.